Now it's time for the show that advocates for safe passage for the animals, Vegan Radio. Alrighty, righty, righty. On the air. Oh, God. Oh, yes. It's been so long. We're back with our 51st episode. And today we have Ultimate Fighting Champion, Ricardo Mad Dog Moriara. He's going to knock your socks off. All right. That's, what is Ultimate Fighting? You don't know Ultimate Fighting? No. Uh, that's like uh, it's like uh, professional wrestling, but it's real. Oh, I thought maybe it would be like <laughs> fighting while leaping off of an airplane with a parachute on. and well, Sometimes they're in cages together. Oh, that but, is Ultimate. Uh, the, the thing is, it's, it's like martial artists, and it's like mixing martial art and wrestling and all kinds of different fighting arts, and then they have these matches where they... Um, don't have too many rules. You can punch each other and kick each other in the head, and it's very um, pacifist. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's a good way to get your aggressions out. Sounds like a liberal version of <laughs> fighting. Yeah, yes. it's pretty nice. Excellent. And uh, also on today's show, we have news. <laughs> oh, we that's got your department, lot of, Scotty. Lots of news. Yes, we do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we might even have a guest appearance by Megan Shackleford. <laughs> that would be know. some good news right there. But uh, for now, it's just us boys. Mm-hmm. Got the studio to ourselves. Testosterone overload here on Vegan Radio. What are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do? Oh, yeah, well, we had another guest, but they're not going to be here. So oh, ne- We don't have to time. mention that. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> we'll get them next time, just as a sort of a, like, you know, got to have some foreshadowing. Build up some suspense. Oh, yes. We're going to have a mysterious guest that didn't show up today, but might show up again some other day. That's right. Obviously, a very important guest. All our guests are important, Scott. And we'd like to thank John Schwank, who came to our 50th episode and took a lot of pictures for us. He just sent me a disc of all those photos. Mm-hmm. So there's actual documentation that we exist. What's in the news, Scott? What is in the news? Let's see. Oh, well, here's the news. Let's take a look, shall we? Uh, I haven't picked my favorite story yet, <laughs> but there's plenty of them. Uh, let's see. We have a story about a fellow in Kansas who may have died from a mad cow-related disease. Have we mentioned that one before? Um, I don't think so, but there's been uh, there's been a lot of people in the – well, it was more of the southwest, the Colorado region, that hunters that were dying from Creutzfeldt-Jakobsen disease, which is a human variation of mad cow disease. Yep. That's the one they discovered in uh, – I think it was New Guinea – New Guinea, yep. Um, but yeah, the cannibals were eating each other. Yep, it, well, they well they were eating the dead as a as a form of honor, uh, a way to honor the dead. But unfortunately, they were getting uh, kuru, which is Jakobsen Creutzfeldt Jakobs disease, <laughs> which I can never say correctly. I don't uh, think anyone can. But anyway, now it's in Kansas. Uh, it's not. It's I don't think we're in in <laughs> the rest in of the world Papua New Guinea anymore. <laughs> um, anyway, this fellow, uh, a Kansas man, may have died of Creutzfeldt Jakob, a rare disease that turns brain tissue spongy. Health officials have said the disease SpongeBob also. Brain. Oh yes, it also affects the central nervous system. <laughs> you may start talking like SpongeBob if you get it. Uh, health officials said they did not know when or how the Kansas man got the disease, citing its incubation incubation period of years. It can actually incubate for up to something like 25, 30 years. In uh, humans, yep. The larger the mammal, the longer it takes. Right. It also will not be known until testing is complete in several weeks what form of disease he carried. And also, they can't really um, diagnose it until you die. Uh, he was 53 years old. He lived in Colby. 
His identity has not been released. Uh, he died uh, Friday, which would have been, I suppose, January. He was actually going to be our other so. guest today, but he died before we could get him on. Mm-hmm. In Colorado and the Southwest, there's a whole bunch of wild animals like the elk and uh, deer out there that are coming down with the variant of the mad cow disease. And then uh, some hunters have died from that. Uh, right. So, so a surefire know. way to avoid getting uh, this disease is not to eat meat <laughs> um, because it's carried in a uh, what's called a prion, and it's a very uh, hard, difficult to destroy. You can you know raise the temperature of these things to like 800 degrees without destroying them. You can put them. them in a centrifuge that doesn't kill them. Nothing kills them. A Nothing cent- kills them. A centrifuge, well, <laughs> 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 it would separate them but not kill them. Uh, so let's see. What's, they're giving us a few uh, statistics just to tie the story into your life. Um, most cases apparently occur spontaneously, according to the CDC. Uh, in rare cases, it can also be hereditary. Uh, nationwide, one to two people per million have a spontaneous case of CJD, CJD each year, according to the CDC. <laughs> There's too many, for, too many n- letters here. a lot of acronyms. Here. Between 250 and 300 cases of CG, CJD are reported CJD. each year. <coughs> Dwarfed by the number of... Let's just call it mad cow disease. It sounds cooler. Yeah, let's go with that. And the CDC, I'll just call <laughs> it the C. Uh, we have no idea how he the possibly government. contracted this. The man... Um, has no idea how you can get mad cow disease. That's right. He has no idea how he possibly contracted it. Because they wear blinders everywhere they go. But he worked in a meatpacking plant quite a few years ago, oh. according to his attending physician. He was also an elk hunter. Well, let's segue into that other uh, meatpacking story with the packers who were um, blasting pig brains and uh. came down with another neurological disease. Yeah. Did I... Uh did I even grab that one? <laughs> oh, Scott. Come on, you printed it. Oh, here it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this happened in Ilf, uh, in Indiana, uh, Delphi, Indiana. Uh, apparently, a pork processing, processing plant has been identified as the slaughterhouse where two workers have fallen sick with symptoms resembling those seen in a dozen workers at a Minnesota facility. Um, this is from IndyStar.com. The United Food and Commercial Workers International Union on Friday named Indiana Packers Corp. as the site in Indiana where two cases of the neurological illness have been found. Officials criticized the Indiana State Department of Health for failing to name the plant in question. The question is, why can't the Department of Health just say where this is, uh, this is so workers in other places can rest assured that it's not in their plant, said Jill Cashin, union spokeswoman. Uh, we would like to know that they're in the right plant. They know where the risk is, and they're going to make sure the risk is removed, she said. The Department of Health issued a news release Friday saying all employees at the plant in question have been informed and that the investigation is in its preliminary stages. The statement also said the plant had voluntarily stopped using the high-pressure compressed air technique to harvest pig brains that may be associated with the sickness. While department spokesman Elizabeth Hart declined to confirm the name of the plant, she did say that only one plant in the state is under investigation. This isn't a big secret, Hart said. This is not a public health issue. It's confined to those workers who use that technique. Mm -hmm. Earlier this week, the health department said that two workers at an Indiana plant had fallen ill with symptoms similar to those seen in the Minnesota workers, the symptoms include changes in sensation and weakness in their limbs. Indiana Packers President Gary Jacobson said Friday that <laughs> the state health workers have been interviewing employees at his plant and that last week his company suspended its process of harvesting pig brains. He said the health department has not provided any clinical proof that employees at this plant have in health illnesses linked to those in Minnesota. Harvesting pig brains. They're doing their investigation to find similarities in symptoms, Jacobson said. They still don't have any clinical information of anything in particular. He said, wringing his hands. Uh, Of the plant's 1,500 employees, Jacobson said, dozens worked in the brain harvesting area. 
The plant has used the technique for about 10 to 12 years, he said, chuckling. The Minnesota Department of Health is investigating the QPP pork slaughtering facility in Austin, Minnesota, where 12 workers, all stationed near the air compression system, fell ill. Only three plants in the United States, Indiana Packers, QPP, and a facility in Fremont, Nebraska, are known to use the technique, said Cashin, whose union represents 250,000 workers in the meat packing industry and poultry industries across the country. Um, uh, I was, you, you had some details about how, the, how that uh, harvesting and what that machine does. I did? Do. Well, you were saying something about it. It sprays um, a fine mist of <laughs> brain. Well, they use tissue some kind of like air gun or something to blast the brains out of the pig skulls. I see. I guess that's how you harvest uh, meat. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought harvesting only applied to plant matter, but uh, no, you can har- you can also harvest egg cells. <laughs> can harvest from all your kinds best of things if you want to use euphemisms. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, yeah, so. Well, like it sounds like a similar disease to Creutzfeldt-Jakobsen. Yeah, it's neurological. and uh, Maybe they'll call it Jacob's disease after that jackass. Meatpacker. I don't know that. Meatpacker man. <laughs> I have to look that up on the interweb. Gary Jacobson, Indiana Packer. Uh, here's, a, here's another story which I think uh, has a lot to say. It's a very long story, but I'll give you the basic synopsis. Uh, right now um, in Tanzania... Uh, it's one of the more peaceful countries in Africa, and uh, so an awful lot of refugees from other not-so-peaceful places are ending up there, millions of displaced people. And uh, because they are poor and starving, they are hunting wildlife to uh, feed themselves. That's being referred to as the bushmeat trade. African refugees are spurring the bushmeat trade, which I guess you could say there are people going out, uh, killing chimpanzees and other other animals and uh, bringing them to refugees. Uh, to feed them and probably charging them a small premium uh, for it. Do you think? Yeah, I would imagine. So it's having a, a major effect on on wildlife regions in Tanzania. Um, and uh, you can you can check the story out. It's on uh, National Geographic News. But uh, it's it's pretty tragic. And there's an awful lot of displaced people in Africa, especially. And I think around the world, I, I heard something like there are 50 million uh, refugees, people without homes, who have been driven from where they're supposed to be yeah, uh, or where they'd like to be. So it's a major crisis. We've got to do something about that. So what do you think? Do you think the U.S. Now. should like intervene? Or is that like a U.N. thing? Uh, well, the U.N. Uh, has the, the strongest mandate for doing this sort of thing, uh, you know, to try and promote stability throughout the world. Uh, the United States has its own interests, and sometimes stability isn't always the best thing for the people who profit from those interests. So I think the U.N. would be the the best place to centralize a debate and to get things moving on that. And I know that Kofi Annan has talked about it quite a bit, uh, as he does. But, uh, you know, as usual in the U.N., uh, a lot of certain developed countries with a lot of um, strong votes, what do they have? Like they can they can basically uh, cancel out other people's votes. I think the United States yeah. is one of those. Uh, you know, they, they tend to stonewall uh, on issues like oh, this. Oh, look who it is. Megal. Megalfoot's here. We've, she's decided to come. Uh, so good to see you. Oh, hello. Your bright, shining <laughs> lips. Face. <laughs> I was going to say face. Cackling voice. <laughs> little late, little late. Where are we at, kids? All right. So uh, let's see. We're talking about bushmeat. Yeah, we Ooh. were just talking about bushmeat in Africa. And we're not going to talk about it anymore. It's pretty serious, but Tanzania. Pig brains. You can listen to the show and hear all about it. Megan, <laughs> <laughs> uh, back off. Oh. <laughs> that was pretty good. I thought that. Uh, are, we, are we normalizing here? 
Um, I don't think there's any way to do that. That'd be, that'd be the only way to normalize anything around here. I was going to say, you can't normalize anything around here. What are you talking about? I usually can. Um, all right. Story number 17 is... Uh, you guys have gone through 16 stories while I've been gone. Well, we've we had a guest cancel, so we have to extend our news segment. <gasps> mm-hmm. I know. I miss them, too. Uh, in right, uh, Here's another good one. Uh, and this is uh, kind of a sad story. Uh, there's a chimpanzee uh, in Austria who uh, was being uh, apparently uh, neglected and abused and, and uh, under, I guess it was at a shelter or something. And anyway, <laughs> they took this uh, case to court because they wanted to bring the chimp into protective custody. And, uh, and unfortunately, the laws are, you know, for doing that sort of thing uh, kind of require you to be a person. So they took the case to court and tried to get uh, this chimpanzee to be protected under the laws applicable to humans. But the Austrian animal rights, uh, Aus- the Austrian court decided that chimpanzees cannot be considered for legal purposes people. Um, apparently, their interests differ too greatly. But many people can be considered chimpanzees. Yes, people can still <laughs> be considered animals in most countries. Uh, you know, maybe not legally, but certainly culturally. That happens well, we are animals. Uh, yes, I guess you're right. I'm using the pejorative word, version. What does of the people word exactly mean, anyway? And people, you know, persons having uh, real existences and and personalities that you can possibly relate to. So that <clears throat> that includes all the animals I've met. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think it is it is a specious, if you will, uh, <laughs> term. A specious decision. Yes. By the Austrians. Yes, quite. I'll uh, make a mention that donations for the welfare of the animal were considered, but it was of no help, as Austrian law proclaims that only people are eligible to accept gifts and donations. What? Yes. You, and, That's uh, out of control. So the idea would be you'd have to be a, a you know, the, the chimpanzee would have to be under your care, and you'd have to be a person, and then you could receive gifts and donations on behalf of... Oh, my God. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this... Um, they, they, because of that, they, the association that was taking care of him, association, yes, uh, filed for the chimp to be considered a person, uh, but the high court said no. So, so the so the chimpanzee is still in the custody of these people and is still being neglected. Yeah, the, basically, the Matthew is the name of one of the chimps, and there's another one, Ross, Rossi. Uh, they were captured as babies in Sierra Leone in 1982, so they're not youngsters. They were smuggled to Austria for use in pharmaceutical experiments, and then uh, customs officers seized the shipment and handed them over to a shelter. And uh, then the shelter wasn't uh, holding up so well. <laughs> I think maybe it got uh, closed down or something. So but is there any anything case. we can do about this? We can't give them donations. We can't get them... Somebody's got to fight to get him out of the shelter. Yeah. Um, well, this story was more about the, the law being, or the, you know, the chimpanzee not being given rights as a person. Right. Vegan radio, because the animals are listening to. I have a little something. We have a listener, um, Jesse, who was at our 50th party, and uh, she has a question for us to discuss that's familiar for most vegans how to deal gracefully with non-vegans who get angry and argumentative argumentative her quote is she's been vegetarian for over 10 years and my family was fine with that but when i went vegan my mom seemed to take it as a personal attack against me 
After trying to shrug off her sarcastic remarks, I finally broke down and joined in her argument. After that, she didn't talk to me for months. <laughs> months? It's difficult to have a conversation without coming off as confrontational with people who don't really want an answer to their questions in the first place. Well, do you want to go first? I, I have, uh, I'll, I'll just say something quickly. Well, I was waiting until you got here, Megan, because I know you'd have something. Yeah. <laughs> I've always got something to say. Well, I like um, – Carol Adams has a book called Living Amongst Meat Eaters, and I like her approach, which is there are a lot of people who just they're, – they're not really ready to have um, that discussion, and they're kind of – they're on the defense, and they kind of just want to get you all riled up. And so the way that she deals with it is that she um, – if she is around people that who ask her questions and say, oh, so what about this vegan thing? And she thinks that they're kind of they're, – they're kind of trying to incite her. She'll just say, you know what? This isn't really like a great time to, to talk about it, but I have this – I have a couple brochures, which is like a why vegan pamphlet and some other things. Why don't you peruse them, look them over, and then after you do that, then maybe we could have a discussion and kind of like – diffuses it in that way and so if they're really interested about vegan issues and and being being up on them then that will answer their questions if you give them a couple pamphlets now if you try to do that and they're like no no no, i want to have the discussion you know they're just trying to like get you into into a debate and they're not really curious about the issues that's i like that it's like a non-confrontational way you can give them if they're really interested you give them the information Mm-hmm. You know, what do you have to say about that? Well, I mean, <laughs> sometimes I think, you know, the fact that you're willing to discuss it and, you know, maybe they are just trying to probe your feelings or, or get your goat or something. I mean, in the case of some, the case of someone who's just being like a jerk about it, you know, like yeah. I just love my juicy burgers. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. Hey, I used to love my juicy burgers, too. And sometimes the smell is even appealing to me. But, you know, um, Scott, don't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Scott, you can't say that on vegan radio. Well, no, um, it's true. I've only been vegan a couple of years now. No, so. I can still smell pepperoni sometimes and, and, and really? be reminded of like a familiar, comfortable Oof. thing. But it, it, doesn't ma- it doesn't matter just because something smells good. It doesn't make it right. Well, yeah. I mean, you begin to associate that. I mean, the thing is, you know, we, have, we, can't, we don't just choice make our choices based on what we want in the moment, you know. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, just because I like the smell of marijuana doesn't mean I'm going to smoke it. <laughs> exactly. And uh, <laughs> eat it, maybe. But, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really comes down to a question of, okay, yeah, you know, I used to do things that way. And that was like my major criterion. Like if it tastes good, you know, it's part of life's pleasures. I'm going to just, you know, partake and enjoy. And when I'm gone, I'll, I will have, you know, been one of those great enjoyer partakers. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the thing is, if someone's trying to probe your feelings, I think it's all right to, to you know, kind of get into it i mean in a way you do have to be a little detached because you know sometimes they're just trying mm-hmm. to get your goat and i you know at first when i first went vegan uh, i got into a couple discussions which were really actually upsetting to me um because it turned out you know they were just trying to get my goat and you know right um and it was just like ah, why would you even play with that you know that's just that's just no way to be <laughs> yeah you know? well there's the thing that your your diet is actually like you know it's an ethical thing you're doing and by even though you're not confronting them, you know your choices of food. If you're especially if you're eating with someone, um, they're gonna feel, you know, attacked. Even if you're not actually attacking them with your words or your or your 
fist. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And you know, but if you're a, not giving him the Mad Dog Moriara fist, Derek, you're gonna have to back away from the microphone. You're a little loud over you're there. Back away from the <laughs> studio out into the street, baby. <laughs> um, I just, I, I just find that I, yeah, it's not like I'm saying like don't ever engage somebody. Of course, we want to talk about the issues. I have just found that so many people are so defensive and and are trying to be so confrontational that they just fare better if you actually give them a book or give them information. And then if something really hits them or resonates with them, then of course, then like, then they, and they're truly interested, then they'll come back and talk to you about it. Well, what if it's a passing stranger that you're never going to see again? Well, then that's a different, that's, that's an exception. That's an exceptional situation. Um, well, like if you were working with, um, vegan outreach, like our friend Jenna Calabrese, um, then of course, then that's the only moment you have, and you go for it. But I'm I'm talking about gen, like in general, general situations. What's the what's the best way to handle like your everyday yeah. experiences? I know. Well, this is you know in the case of my very upsetting conversation, it was somebody <laughs> I really deeply cared about, and it was just sort of like uh, I felt a bit a bit blindsided and a bit ill used in the, in that instance. And I think that, you know, I think at the time, I th- and I think it's even now, I think it's like if if I'm expressing kind of like my passion about something, you know, and in this case it was just, you know, trying to get across my feelings of empathy towards a cow in this instance. And it was just like... And they'll find it ridiculous. Um, well, it can be ridiculous, I suppose, you know, from a certain POV. Um, but, you know, like... I was really working it out for myself as well. And I think sometimes, you know, when you're when you're working things out, you'd, you'd kind of do want to engage and, and form your arguments and form your pos- and sort of clarify your position and and kind of connect and try to connect it with um, the person who's there in front of you and and try to make that connection. And if you can make that connection, you know, sometimes it, it takes a great effort. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it may, of course, if things break down and the communication isn't working, of course, you should definitely back off and rethink it so you don't and put them in a headlock um no <laughs> give them a noogie a wedgie no don't, don't you guys find that um <laughs> that a lot of vegans i don't want i don't want to stereotype here but that a lot of vegans are coming from this very kind of empathetic point of view and feel deep distress over the fact of like the torture and the killing of animals and it's so it's very emotional and that it's so easy for people to kind of like jump on that emotionality you know that you have and then and then and then triggers you to get kind of all like oh you're not listening to me and that's why i'm saying the like actually giving them information and then if they want to come back and talk to you makes more sense because at least just for me i feel so emotional about it i feel so connected to it but sometimes it just doesn't work when you're having like a debate with somebody, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's the other thing too. Is we, so we got a great posting on Veganica about this, which someone had made her coworker cry about, you know, because she had been watching. Uh, I believe it was, um, oh, what's the Joaquin Phoenix one that's out now? The <laughs> Earthlings. 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 Yes, exactly. Yeah. I was and, say aliens. And uh, you know, so her <laughs> coworker had come up behind her and like been seeing it, and it really upset her. And uh, and you know, but I think. In that instance, I think the real key was that this is a person who is receiving new information. Yeah. And you're right about that. Like getting a, uh, once you have the information in hand, you have two choices. You can either change your behavior based on the information that you have, or you can continue to wallow in a certain a kind of denial, you know, and not act on the information you have. Which you know, I suppose, you know, it, it takes a while to, for it to sink in and become something which you know you incorporate into your into make your choices. 
you know, just knowing that animals suffer and that, you know, the meat industry is so uh, heinously destructive uh, isn't enough for most people to decide at the moment when they're cooking that steak to be like, wait a minute, you know, what am I doing? You know, they're just going on their, their train. And so I think the meat chain. So, you know, you give them the opportunity to, to either jump into denial or, or jump out of it. Um, with information yeah yeah i i would suggest for anybody curious more curious about this is to read carol adams living amongst meat eaters i think any vegan or vegetarian could, what does she call meat eaters blacked vegetarians blacked vegetarians yeah all meat eaters are blacked vegetarians oh, what part of them is blocked <laughs> their well, brains got it their brain their no. arteries we know one part that gets blocked from eating too much meat <laughs> i don't think we can talk about it on the radio <clears throat> but dump them. <laughs> dump, dump. So, <laughs> anyways. Why are we here? So, hopefully, yeah, Who exactly. We? Hopefully we answered that. Do you think we answered that well for... Well, I mean, it's it's a question that... It's it's like a question that's... Everyone's got their own answer. I think there's there's obviously better ways to deal with it. I like questions as jumping off points more than... I'm not looking for an answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think it, it opens up a really great discussion about If how we to had all the answers, what good would life be? It'd I know. Be boring. It's true. I guess. It's very true. <laughs> It'd just be rote. Well, you could still decide not to know. Isn't that wonderful? If you choose not to decide, you've still not made a choice, Scott. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're such a fount of wisdom today. <laughs> <laughs> I got that from Rush. Fount <laughs> Neil Pert wrote that one. Oh, yeah. Listeners, for all of you who don't know, <laughs> Derek is from Syracuse, New York. <laughs> home hey, of, home big, of hard rock. There's a big hardcore scene there, you know. It's true. All right. I tell how the FBI came looking for me? <laughs> I think you certainly should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, back in my Syracuse in days, I don't know. I'm already in trouble. <laughs> back in my Syracuse days, I was uh, part of this group called the ADL, Animal Defense League, and I was just barely with them for a little while, but that's when I first became vegan. And uh, apparently, well, we used to protest this first story called Giorgio's, a lot of direct action and stuff. And so somehow I got in the FBI list back then. Uh, I don't know. Somehow, I think you were taking pictures of. I know. I thought they the just protests. thought I was like a photojournalist or something. <laughs> I don't know how they tied me in with that. Well, you're in you're in vegan journals with your. Don't you have like your pictures in vegan journals with your name underneath? Right, stop distracting. <laughs> they me probably just Googled you, man. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> no, they didn't even know about any of this other stuff. Oh, like, vegan, really? You vegan radio. Them. What's that? Oh. <laughs> Tune it in, guys. <laughs> you know, they're probably listening now. It's good for feds too. Yo, feds, what's up? So anyway, I, uh, recently in um, the Berkshires, a fur farm got... Um, raided? Minks, raided, yeah. Mm. And the minks got left, let free. That was in August of 2007. And uh, about a month ago, the, the feds came looking for me. They came to my house, and I wasn't there, and my... Helpful roommate sent him right over to my office. Oh, huh. he's probably at work. Just, <laughs> just go to his office. Uh, here's the address. Here's his phone number. Yeah. Here's and, his key. Uh, here's his key. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to help you with the wiretap? <laughs> and so, so they came right over, and uh, 
and I wasn't there. And then they <laughs> then they called me on the cell phone. I was actually at Evolution working, and oh, this is the FBI. Blah 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 blah. Wow. So I said, "Well, I'm busy today, but I can meet you tomorrow." <laughs> so let me cancel for, you in for forming Thursday. His, forming his getaway plan. <laughs> so <laughs> Where I, shall I go? So I made a plan to meet him the next day, and then I went back to my office, and they showed up again. Oh, we're just in a neighborhood, and uh, blah blah blah. Did they look like Mulder and Scully? <laughs> I don't know. They were really tall, and the one guy had oh. had some uh, bad breath. Oh. It was filling up my whole office. That might be one of their interrogation techniques. <laughs> I would not be surprised. It <clears throat> keeps getting closer and closer. So where were you? Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Halitosis is now an acceptable form of torture. Yep. It's better than waterboarding. <laughs> I'll bet. Anyway, so that's my FBI story. I haven't heard back from them. <laughs> well, you will now that you've broken the USA Patriot Act. Yeah, they were they were just asking me or questions. Have you? So if you're uh, if you're one of the people who released the mink, um, don't tell me anything about it. I don't want to <laughs> know. I don't want to know what you're doing. Yeah, but and great I, job. Oh, <laughs> oh, now they're after you, Scott. They might be. I don't know. I think I'm, that's covered under the AETA. As, yeah, uh, you want me to give them their address? Uh. It's so hard to talk in this Scott's country. Scott's moving. He's in the witness protection program. Yeah. <laughs> the vegan radio witness protection He's program. He's moving to England. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Maybe part of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I guess should be calling in in about two minutes. Excellent. That's exciting. We have, uh, in case you didn't know Megan, Ricardo Mad Dog Moriera. He's is this, a, the, uh, this is the crazy fighter? Yeah, he's the ultimate fighter. Was he in Veg News? I'm not sure. You can ask him. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to him. I just started my Aikido classes last week, so I'm going to be ready for the ring pretty soon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I didn't know there was an Aikido ring. Well, you know, the, the ultimate fighting <laughs> well, is, you know. is actually, you know, most people who uh, participate in it have a background of varied, varied martial arts experience as well as maybe wrestling or something like that. A lot of it happens on the mat. There's like a lot of... You know, they start out kicking and punching each other, and then, then they pull each other down to the ground where all these crazy headlocks and noogies and wedgies and stuff happen. Is this a point-based thing? I uh, no, it's uh, one person either gives up or gets knocked out or something, you know. I can't figure out how he would have any energy to even do that if he's vegan. Oh, yeah. Stop. yeah, I don't know where he gets his protein. <laughs> We're going to have to ask him. Um, why does I'm that... going to put sarcasm brackets I... around that right now. I don't know why. I know. For some reason, that joke always, it always, I always find humor in it, Scott. I know it's so, it's so silly, and yet. My name is Kenneth Williams. You're listening to Vegan Radio on WXOJLP Northampton, one hundred three point three FM, and on the web at www.veganradio.com. My favorite slogan: Go vegan, and nobody gets hurt. Twenty-six years old, five foot seven, weighing it at one hundred sixty pounds. Cardo, Mad Dog Moriera. Oh my God! What's up? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Great. Pleasure to be on with you. It's great to have you. So, what are you up to these days? Um, same old stuff. Just uh, training, getting ready for the next fight. Is that in March? I saw that you have one coming up. A cage match? Uh, yeah, as of right now, it stands to be uh, March 15th, so just around the corner, about six weeks out. So you're not a cage-free vegan? <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that I am. So. I found a um, training video of you on YouTube. We're going to put on oh. our show notes. 
Oh yeah, yeah, I um, shot that a few years back. It's uh, it's really not um, MMA oriented, but uh, that was just me doing some stuff at my Kempo studio and threw it up online to get people pumped up for a fight that was supposed to happen a couple of years ago. And it didn't happen. Uh, no, actually, um, the uh, it was the first event they were holding in the Bay Area that was for that sport, but um, I ended up not being on that card. Uh, they couldn't. Um, find me an opponent. The guy I was supposed to fight didn't make his medical. Ah. Yeah, it happens in our sport sometimes. Uh, the athletic commission's really, really gung-ho about making sure everyone's healthy. So no. if somebody has any problems, like an ingrown toenail or something, they won't have to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo, did, have you ever seen Say Anything with John Kuzak? <laughs> oh, uh, don't think so. No? Isn't no. that isn't that isn't there an ultimate fighting reference in that movie? Is there? Isn't well, he, there? He I don't wants know to if be they a kickboxer. He wants to be an ultimate kickboxer. Okay. I don't think he wants to be an ultimate fighter. <laughs> I think this is how 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 long has this ultimate fighting been around? Um, it started up in the states about 1993, and oh. it was actually banned in California though up uh, up until 2006. Really? So um, yeah, so it's a relatively new sport to this area. Um, Prior to it, I was competing in kickboxing, though. You speak a bit uh, of kickboxing. So now, how long have you been vegan, and what made you go vegan? Um, let's see. I went vegan in 2007, January, so it's been about a year, a little over a year. Wow. And what, uh, I had actually been vegetarian for about five years prior to that, and um, I, I went vegan because I have a big um, passion for animals and animal rights advocate. Also, uh, I've been doing martial arts for a long time, and there's actually a, a code of ethic in it that, that says to respect all forms of life. So veganism just feels very natural. Uh, it just goes hand in hand with uh, martial science. Ricardo, uh, a, lot, we... a lot of people don't see the connection, but that's really what, what has me doing that. Ricardo, we just pulled up your picture, and uh-huh. you are a big man. For 5'7", you, you are very muscular. And I, I just want to stress. Megan's very impressed. I'm very impressed, Ricardo. <laughs> and I just want to, I want to stress to our listeners. So I know so many people. They just do not believe that you can create such large muscle mass when you're on a vegan diet. And clearly, you can, Ricardo. Oh yeah, you know, there, there's actually a handful of um, vegan athletes out there. There's uh, Ken Williams, who's a bodybuilder. Robert Cheek, another bodybuilder. Yep. And uh, I'm not the only fighter. Uh, Mac Danzig is um, a vegan professional mixed martial arts fighter, and he just uh, won a UFC contract. He was on a reality show. You guys might have heard of him. Wow, I have not. I have not. But we are friends with Kenneth Williams. Oh, okay, yeah. So, have you seen uh, Kenneth yeah, around? He's a good guy. He's another guy that's uh, <laughs> built a lot of muscle on the vegan diet. Um, it's just a, it's a misconception that you can't build muscle on the vegan diet. So, now, so now, you know, a lot of vegans don't work out that hard. That's why you don't see them building a lot of muscle. Yeah, well, it's so. just like the general population. I think there's there's the people who work out all the time, and then there's the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the rest of us. What okay, as far as so I, so you do a lot of working out. What's your what's your diet like? As far um, as like protein diet, sources, uh, it, it varies. I'll, I'll give you two examples. Uh, there's my diet where I'm just kind of you know laying around and being lazy, and uh, Which is I like, eat a lot of vegan junk food. So really, know, I'll be eating a lot of like so delicious ice cream and. Other stuff, vegan donuts. <laughs> wow! <laughs> uh, and when I'm when I'm training for a fight and cutting weight, um, 
eating a lot of tofu, uh, sometimes I'm eating uh, meat substitutes. Uh, I don't eat too many of them, but I do include them in my diet. So, you know, like tofurkey, soy sausage, and smart strips, things like that. Uh, lots of veggies. Uh, pretty much every meal has some form of vegetables in it. Um, sometimes I eat fruit. I try and avoid it when I'm cutting weight for a fight. Uh, a lot of people don't understand why, but it's just the sugar content can be a little excessive. I'll still keep it in my diet, just not a lot of it. Fruit, um, you said? You know, uh, brown rice and uh, a lot of oatmeal, sometimes whole wheat pasta. Mm. And, so, uh, so I do supplement. I, I take uh, Ultimate Meal and uh, Vega, uh-huh. two vegan protein uh, sources. Okay, I was uh, yeah, I was curious if you did some protein powder supplementation. Right. One thing Ken Williams likes is his uh, breakfast amaranth. Yep. Which, uh, I tried recently and it was great. Oh, you really? liked the amaranth? Yeah, I actually like amaranth. <laughs> it's all right. I, I highly had, recommend it. I had quinoa for breakfast. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm halfway. I'm halfway there. To I had corn. Fighting. You had corn. Corn cakes. Oh. All right. <clears throat> it's my protein source. <laughs> Corn cakes and kale. I think you just like that new restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your um, record with this fighting going? Have you, are you... Um, seven and two in my overall fighting record. I, I started out in a sport called Full Contact Karate, and mm. um, I did relatively well in that, uh, earning a state title. And then um, I, I've had two losses, though in a mixed martial arts, and uh, both losses came from stoppage. Uh, one stoppage was referee stoppage, and the second one was doctor stoppage for a broken nose. Oh. So I have yet to be completely laid out or made to tap out. But, <laughs> uh, so, but uh, I have suffered a couple losses. So so are there any any rules in this um, fight style at all? Or? Oh, oh, definitely, especially in California. Uh, our state, considering how liberal it should be, is actually really strict on uh, on sports. So uh, there's a few rules. I mean, there's no biting, no scratching, no striking the groin, and there's actually certain types of strikes that are outlawed. You can't hit the back of the neck, can't hit the spine, no kicking when a guy's down, no holding the fence to utilize it for leverage. So, uh, you know, of course, sportsmanship, no cursing, no no monkeying around. <laughs> no monkeying around. <laughs> I'm serious. I saw Man. one wrestling match where I was already uh, to join until I heard that last one. Yeah, one, 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 there was one match I saw where a guy, one of the opponents, uh, he tried to psych out the other guy by kissing him. Oh, and really? Was summarily beaten to a pulp. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so right. So don't Before don't try the that. Ran, the guy knocked him out. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it was well, bad. See, I'm an expert expert at monkey style, so I don't think I'd be able to compete though. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you are uh, quite a monkey. Want to stress that's for that it's sure. Not um, WWE, you know, it's not pro wrestling. They want they want people to realize it's real fighting. So yeah, well, uh, I think just watching one of these matches, you can pretty much tell it's real. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It looks so, painful. I, mean, I, I like the idea of showmanship, the idea of being able to have a personality, but uh, yeah. they don't want us to do it in the actual ring, you know, or in the cage. Right. So n- no cartwheeling on backflips. <laughs> 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 well, when you've got, you're using mixed martial arts, essentially, right? Or is it? Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah. The sport's called mixed martial arts. Uh, essentially, it's uh, boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, and jujitsu combined. Uh, not, not too many of the other arts make appearances in it because they're a little too um, extravagant so it's, uh, or complicated. So keep it simple and use a lot of sport-based martial arts that have right. shown to be efficient over the years. Not a lot of capoeira going on. 
Capoeira. No, there's a few Capoeira fighters out really? there, but uh, they usually end up boxing and wrestling in the ring anyways. Huh. Uh, so how many martial arts have you studied then? Uh, I've done a lot uh, over the years, but my, my base is uh, Kenpo Karate. So that's why I started studying as a kid, and I've been doing that for 17 years. Wow. Uh, every, everything else I've just dabbed into, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, boxing. I never actually wrestled, but I've trained with a lot of wrestlers, so I think I'm well-rounded. So is there gyms where you can just go and train specifically for this type of sport? Oh, yeah. A lot of gyms are focusing on mixed martial arts now. So it's a big, hot commodity, actually. It's, um, I'm surprised how big the sport's blown up over the past few years. You know, it's on TV. People know about it now. A few years ago, I would mention it. Nobody knew what the sport was. Uh, they thought I was doing like point sparring. Do you have <laughs> Do you have a lot of people interested in your diet? Uh, I do get emails um, maybe every other day or so. Uh, a couple of emails just asking about what kind of stuff I eat. I think a lot of people are aware that you you can get a, a high protein content in a vegan diet, though. So, uh, I think people are mostly surprised that I don't eat a lot of fruit. <laughs> I feel great when I eat a lot of fruit, but I notice I retain some body fat when I do. Huh. Hmm. That might explain this. <laughs> I've been eating too much the fruit. The vegan tire. <laughs> well, I have to eat bananas all day long or my brain just doesn't work. <laughs> really? Yeah. I need the zinc or something. Or, I, or it might be potassium. some kind of monkey connection. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Could be. i got to get that Megan filter installed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Richard, if if your ears start hurting from Megan's uh, Richard, laughter, just... You can't, you can't call Ricardo Richard. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ricardo. Ricardo. Can I just call you Mad Dog? Oh, yeah, that works. So have you ever uh, competed with the other the other vegan? Oh, Mac Danzig? No, he's, uh, I'd say he's a lot more decorated than I am. He's also um, on the older side. He, uh, he's been fighting this sport for maybe like eight years or so. He's pretty up there. He's an upper echelon fighter. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so I, I think he was actually on the cover of PETA's last magazine. So he uh, he is oh. semi-active in, in animal rights. I, I don't know if he has a lot of time to do it anymore, but uh, he was a while back. Uh, he's vegan for uh, ethical reasons. Hmm. That's great. Two of you guys uh, out yeah, there. Yeah, he's the only other one that I know of in the States. So I, I didn't even know about him until here i thought i was the only one <laughs> so, so it's good to see more vegan athletes uh, i've met a lot of them in the last year so i've met a lot of vegan athletes different sports so it's really refreshing yeah so you're on the website vegan bodybuilding and fitness and oh yeah robert cheek runs the website is that robert cheek's to, uh, website profile so i was really happy about that yeah there's a lot of a lot of buff people on there i've noticed <laughs> i don't know yeah yeah so um, yeah, I was even surprised about how, how muscular some of those guys were. So I was like, wow. Yeah. And I don't lift any weights, so I, oh, um, you don't. when I'm done fighting, I'll, I'll probably begin weight training and see how big I can actually get. But for now, I have to stay at a certain weight class. You look like you lift weights. Wow. Uh, I do a lot of strength exercises, like pull-ups, push-ups, and a lot of weird plyometrics and mm -hmm. a lot of wrestling with guys. So that builds up some muscle, but keeps me from getting too big right yeah do you find that is uh weight actually lifting weights does that slow you down speed wise do you uh, it does when you start
are adding on weight, and really it just makes it hard to cut weight because uh, I fight at 145 pounds, and I walk Whoa. around about 160, sometimes 170, and to cut that much weight is a hassle, so especially if, if you're trying to drop muscle mass. So, um, you know, if I were to get any bigger than 170, it'd be really, really hard. So I, I just don't lift any weights. That's crazy. Yeah, but it's nice to feel stronger, be able to move furniture and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a piano. Like, <laughs> uh, well. Is that part of your yeah. workout routine? Rearrange your house. I said that could be yeah. part of your workout routine. Oh, my workout routine? It's, uh, usually it's uh, all mixed martial arts oriented, so I'll do uh, kickboxing drills, work pads and bags, and then I spar around with people. And then I do jiu-jitsu drills, which is, uh, you know, mostly submission work on the ground and working my throws and doing drills there. So I've got some grappling dummies I work with, and then I spar and you know, roll around people. And that's pretty much the workout. I finish off with my conditioning, which is uh, pull-ups, push-ups, crunches, you know, some uh, sport-specific exercises. And then do you and, go home and rearrange your furniture? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if I've got enough energy to do anything, I'll go home and do that. <laughs> yeah. So um, tell us about this upcoming uh, match you have, the cage match. Yeah, yeah, that's coming up uh, March 15th. Um, you know, I'm still negotiating the contract and finding out who I'm fighting, but um, for the most part, I'm fighting March 15th. So that's the uh, next event here in San Francisco. And what's with the cage? <laughs> you know, the cage is kind of a novelty act. It's, um, they started out using it in 1993 for uh, kind of shock value and have people look at it as a no-holds-barred environment because you're trapped in a cage of your opponent. Reminds me of Spider-Man. Did you ever see that? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, so Macho Man, Randy Savage. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a vegan, too. Isn't he? uh, <laughs> Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. Oh, I thought you meant Macho Man. I was like, no. oh, I don't know about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Toby McGuire is a vegetarian, yes. Okay, right on. So, um, so there's no yeah, way so out. There's no way out of this cage when you're fighting. Uh, no, I mean, if you were to tell the referee there was some sort of problem, like you, you know, had a breathing issue or something, they would they would stop the fight and investigate what the problem is. But uh, essentially, yeah, there's you can't run away from the fight. It's kind of <laughs> once, once you see them lock that cage behind you and you see somebody <laughs> bouncing around in it with the uh, eye of the tiger, you know, and you want to rip your head off. Yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. That sounds like psychological warfare going on in there. So, oh, yeah, definitely. So. so did you hear Sylvester Stallone came out and uh, is promoting the use of that the human growth hormones? What? Yeah. What? Yeah, he said he used them to uh, get in shape for his new Rambo movie. Oh, I see. Is it legal? Do you think this stuff smells like a man? I, I don't I think it is legal if you're not a um professional athlete. Georgia, it's me, Rocky. Oh my god. Like the guy says you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crap thunder. Yeah, human growth hormone, steroid use, that's all you'd have to get a prescription for it. But uh Do they test yeah, you guys for that? It's kind of a bodybuilder crowd. I don't know if that would really help out in an endurance sport. Right. So. Do you get tested for that? Yeah, we get tested every every fight, um, and I've seen fighters get suspended for a year for use of steroids, uh, or they'll get fined for use of marijuana or anything like that. So oh, the old marijuana! Oh, uh, that performance enhancing drug, marijuana. <laughs> 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 uh, so, well, they seem to have the uh, just a small penalty for that. They don't stop you from fighting; they they give you a fine. 
But uh, <laughs> fighters are pretty underpaid in this sport, so if you get a $1,000 fine or anything like that, that's, that's a large chunk of your purse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, is that like, yeah, how much would you, do you get money if you fight or only if you win or what's... You get a purse if you fight, and you also get a purse if you win. Uh, it's significantly more if you win. And then from there, you negotiate with the promoters how much you think you're worth, how much you think your fight is worth. Um, you try and get sponsorships uh, to uh, either supply you with you know, clothing or, or um, money or training gear, which is usually what happens with mixed martial arts is you get sponsorships with training gear. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's where your income comes from. So a lot of fighters have to supplement by working another job until they get, you know, hit the big time, just like boxing. Yeah. So, I so, think we get paid significantly less than boxers, though. Boxers are making millions, and top-notch MMA fighters are making hundreds of thousands. So, that's and, not uh, bad. I take you're going to have your thousand. first fight, you're looking at $500 to show up and maybe <laughs> 1000 to win. So I know this is a little departure, but I, I know you, you were commenting a little bit about why you were vegan um, in the beginning of the show. And is there any connection for you, like, with a sense of spirituality, or is it is it mostly like um, non like an ethic of nonviolence or health reasons? Or I just wondered if you could like touch on that a little bit more. Oh, it's actually just for ethical reasons. Um, you know, in connection with my martial training. Uh, the idea is that somebody that's doing martial arts uh, as a lifelong practice is essentially a warrior, and the idea is that a warrior's purpose is to protect life, not to just destroy it for no apparent reason. So veganism goes naturally hand-in-hand hand with that, uh, being in touch with uh, with nature, respecting all forms of life. Did you have, like, a conversion moment? Was it a slow thing for you, or did you just something yeah. happen in your life that convinced you to go vegan? transitional uh it took a long time uh, as a little kid i didn't want to hurt anything so i wouldn't kill any insects and i wouldn't kill you know i mean and i'd get frustrated when i saw people abusing animals and i'd always get involved in those situations and as i grew up i got involved with uh organizations uh, namely in defense animals was the uh local one here that i got really involved with as a teenager then i learned about vegetarianism and uh, i cut out you know my, uh, pork out of my diet and beef and chicken and then I uh, eventually cut out fish and went vegetarian and I was vegetarian for years and then I learned about the um, you know, factory farms and free range and from there I cut out eggs and milk. And I had whey in my diet for the last few years of, as a vegetarian because I was under the assumption that if I were to cut that out I'd just drop a lot of muscle mass and I ended up uh, coming across Ken Williams and Robert Cheek. Uh, who uh, convinced me to take some vegan protein uh, substances instead, and that's when I went full vegan. And so, do you feel? But, do you feel like? Do you ever have any people kind of question you, saying like, "Wow, you're, you know, you're an ethical vegan, and you promote nonviolence, and yet you're in this sport that is like pe- some people might consider like a very violent sport." Do you? Oh yeah, do you have people you know, question you about I'm that? competing against a guy who's properly trained, and it's under uh, the circumstances. We're not trying to kill each other. When I get in that cage, I, I'm there to win, but I'm not there to end that guy's life. I want to make sure he can go back home to his family, you know. And the idea is to win, and it is a full contact sport, but it's uh, you know it, it's not pure barroom brawling like a lot of people think. There's right. science to it, and it's uh, there's very sportsmanship oriented. 
And I, I think it's important, actually, for uh, vegans to show that uh, we're not a stereotype. You know, it's like I, I don't like to be typecasted as, uh, you know, kind of a pushover pacifist. And I am, for the most part, a pacifist, but uh, I, I don't think of myself as a pushover. I think the whole uh, vegan community really isn't full of pushovers. A lot of people uh, are strong in their convictions. I just, uh, I'd like to see more vegans get involved in athletics. I, I agree. There is that. There's just that stereotype of like the skinny, pasty vegan who's not strong. And I think it's great that that you, as well as other athletes, are out there disproving the stereotype. Yeah, well, I recommend yeah. any of our listeners to go to the Vegan Bodybuilding uh, website, veganbodybuilding.com, and look at the profile page. You'll just see a, a whole a plethora of very plethora muscular of people, buffness everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Am I in there? The <laughs> yeah. Am I in there? They approached me, but I, I haven't uh, decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> they approached you for some web website skills. They maybe. wanted a hula hooper on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, Ricardo, uh, we're about out of time here. Is there anything else you wanted to tell our vast audience of millions? that uh, if they are vegan right now uh, definitely should get interested in working out in athletics and it's just better for your overall health in general and, and it'd be great to break that stereotype too. So, yeah I, th- uh, I think it's really important for, for vegans to at least be in decent shape so that we can uh, we can give a face of healthiness along with the ethical message. Yeah I mean usually the vegan diet's connected to health. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, that's real healthy, but then they say, but you're going to get real skinny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'd like to see that uh, stereotype kind of broken. Excellent. Well, it's been really great having you on, and uh, we'd love to hear about your upcoming uh, fight and see how that goes. Your upcoming successful fights. Yeah. <laughs> right, you gotta... Thank you very much. It's been an honor to be on with you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck with your sport, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. I'll keep in touch. Take care, guys. All right. All right. Go kick Whoa. some butt. <laughs> Another vegan kick athlete. Vegan what butt. was a, a basketball player I heard about? Just uh, one of the NBA players just went vegan. Really? Really? Yeah, Ooh. at least vegetarian, if not vegan. <laughs> I wish I knew his name offhand, but I can't Google right now, as, it, as I might have mentioned. <laughs> You're at a loss without this Googling capacity. I, I don't use my, 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 my memory anymore. I just rely on the internet to store all that stuff. Who needs facts when you've got the internet? <laughs> Who needs facts when you got fiction? Yes. Who needs facts when you've got Wikipedia? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. uh, the prestigious internet. Well, that's another episode of Vegan Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you're listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM on the Pacifica Network. And you can find out more about us in our show notes at veganradio.com. Go vegan. Do it. Tune in next time for our Valentine's Day show, <laughs> February 14th. Maybe we'll have some chocolate for you guys. I don't think I'm going to be here on Valentine's Day. It's at 1 o'clock. What are you going to be doing? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll do it without you. <laughs> we did half of it without you today. Oh! It was all news, though. Come on, it was boring. <laughs> oh. All right, I'm going to do the show by myself next week. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.
Vegan Radio. Crunchy on the outside, creamy on the inside, and 100% gristle-free.